Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Antony Rossi. In this, our second year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet, playwright, host of this show. This is going to be episode 157, Audio Literary Memoir, Part 2, or Section 2, or the sequel, however you want to call that. I did one last year. I just thought it was a a good every so often to sort of like take my own uh, pulse, so to speak, on some of the things I've been doing. Maybe share those with you and, you know, see if you have uh, some similar thoughts or maybe some similar projects you're doing. Now, not to brag or anything, but I often uh, write in in, in all sorts of different uh, uh, formulas and genres and etc. So it's not unusual for me to, um, you know, to write poetry and fiction and nonfiction uh, plays, you know, and put together uh, books to be sent out, you know, uh, Sometimes in the same week, same day, same month, <laughs> definitely in the in the same year. It, it's the reason why I have uh, so many credits, and 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 the reason why is because not because I've been writing thirty seven years, but also because I write in so many different forms. It kind of makes it a little easier that when I send a batch of work out, you know, I have a greater statistical chance of getting picked up than somebody who's just sending out fiction or somebody who's just sending out poetry. You know, is. I preach to people all the time. It's important to send out a lot of stuff as much as you can any given month because it really is um, a sort of a mathematical, you know, battle to uh, to get something uh, accepted. You, you just don't know who's going to accept what as much as you might try to research and you're going to do some, you know, some basic research on, you know, what magazine might take this, what magazine might take that. You don't really know for sure. You can rule out some stuff. You know, like the women's only magazine, you could rule out that if as, as a guy, it's, you know, sending something's not going to work, you know, but it doesn't mean that, you know, if you, uh, if you're sending it to a, a guy only magazine, which I don't even know if there's any exists that way, not, not in these days, you probably get beat up for, for doing that. This is a magazine for only men. They'll probably put a bomb at your door or something, <laughs> but, um. There's no guarantee if there was a magazine like that, it's just because you're a guy that you were going to get picked up. There really isn't. So there's not a, a magical formula. That's why it's important to send that a lot out. Now, ironically, because I also uh, operate uh, Aerial Chart, which we've had to rescind the simultaneous su- submission because we, we respond fast and give people actual you know, words of encouragement or actual reasons why we take something or rather the reasons why we don't take something. So we respond fast and we actually communicate with writers. So I don't mind doing that under the circumstance because too many unfortunate folks have really taken advantage, you know, of the, of the more broader policy I used to have on this. And so I have to had to cut back on that because it was just getting out of hand. You know, people will send something and you take a couple and then the, two days later, oh, I didn't realize this was picked up by somebody else. You know, and it, they're not being honest. They're just saying that because they're just trying to grab as many credits. But if you're going to grab as many credits, send out a lot. Send out different things if you can. That's going to increase your chances. Don't be dishonest to people or dishonorable. That's not the way to do it. That's why I had to do that. So, you know, it's going to put me, and it does put me in a strange position where I'm telling you that you should try to be using simultaneously submissions as a strategy because you should as long as you're giving, you're giving it to magazines that accept that they don't then you don't do it i don't i had to change it but it's still my own particular strategy and it's still the one i I preach even though i have a magazine that doesn't take it anymore i know that might seem contradictory but it's not because in one instance i'm making the decision as a writer and another instance i'm making the decision as an editor they're two different people and they are two different hats that you wear and, and two different responsibilities even if it is the same person all right, so that's how I uh, help you define that. 
Uh, I'm sure there'll be somebody uh, emailing me, ah, uh, this is ridiculous and contradictory. Whatever. <laughs> I'll give you an honest answer. That's all I can do. Now, because of sending out so many materials um, over the the last couple months even, you know, I've gotten a lot more acceptance than I usually because sometimes I, I don't send out for a little while just because, you know, I'm busy doing other things with the show or the magazine and other times, you know, I might not get something picked up for a while and I just give it a rest and then I try it again. So that happens. I mean, I got picked up something recently. I, I was trying the entire year. I don't even think there was a month I gave up on sending this out. Sometimes you believe in a, a particular piece of work more than another particular piece of work. What are you going to do? We're human. We're going to have favorites. Okay? All of this, I love them all the same. All of this, uh, they're all equal. Come on. You could lie to yourself, just just don't lie to us, okay? So that's what we all do privately. So let's uh, let's be straight about that. Uh, so there's some I'm going to put out more than others, and, and eventually they do get picked up. Maybe more out of persistence <laughs> than anything else. But I swear this is like I had one like it took ten months for it to get picked up. So what are you going to do? I mean, it, you have to um, you have to put everything out there. Uh, especially the ones that you really do love that you think have a, a point that you particularly want to make. And, uh, or maybe they might even seem more topical than others, which, you know, I always find to be um, a danger or at least a risk, okay? It's one of the reasons why I don't publish so much the, of the COVID material because it not only does it get old and not even very creative anymore, but remember, COVID, like anything else uh, that's happening at the moment, is topical. That means that it's something that happens around that time. Guess what? We're not going to have COVID forever. It's not going to be around here for years. All right? I really believe that. So eventually, what are you going to do if you have a COVID poem and it never got published around the COVID period of time? You think someone's going to accept that in the future? <laughs> it's doubtful. So suddenly you get a poem that's going to sit there forever. Not published. Unless maybe you you know, you get a lucky to you know put it in a book or a chapbook or something like that. Or maybe you just get lucky that you send it out and somebody says, yeah, okay, I'll go with it. But, you know, pretty much you miss your window when you do something like that. You know, it's the same thing with uh, with themes in publications. All right? I know people, and I've done it actually a couple myself, tough times myself, so I don't mind a minute, that they saw a theme in a magazine that they it actually intrigued them. I see lots of themes, and I'm like, whatever. You know, summer. I don't know, blue dogs, uh, frogs with large eyes. I mean, I mean, really, I've seen some, some whoppers for themes. I'm like, God almighty, this is your idea of creativity, something idiotic. So, but every so often you see something that's extremely interesting. And then sometimes you're like, I don't have anything in my inventory. Let me try to work on something particular for this and see what happens. I've actually done that twice. One time I got published and another time I didn't, but. I felt comfortable with the one that didn't get published because it eventually got published somewhere else. It was still good enough, and I was happy about that. But it was, you know, it's worth the risk. But when you do something like that, there's no guarantee they're going to take it, even if it fits the theme. And then what do you do with it then? You don't want something that, you know, I, I think if not specific, that screaming a, a, a category or, or screaming a brand, you know what I mean? Or, or even screaming... Um, you know, look look at me versus, you know, the average uh, poem that I like that sort of mixes uh, 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 intellectuality with a, with a subtlety and maybe gets you a punch at the end or something. That's kind of my style and that's kind of my uh, liking for a lot of poetry, especially the stuff that I publish. The stuff we love, though, is not always the same. I mean, I'm going to be doing the show um, next month. On John Ashbery, if you know anything about him, he's the avant-garde king of poetry. Uh, and um, I don't often accept a lot of avant-garde because I don't think it's often done very well. And uh, I don't even write a lot of it myself. Only have probably a few pieces, probably more of a homage to him. But I love it, though. I love what he does. I, I find a lot of it makes sense to me. And the ones that doesn't make sense, I just, I just like messing with the art of it all and checking it out and see what he did 
you know, his structure, his ideas, his word choices. That's what makes it so damn interesting. But uh, it's not really a style that I particularly can do. And therefore, it's not a style that I do do. And that's not even a style I'm looking to investigate personally. I don't mind getting it on, on, in the magazine, but it's just so rare to get anything that's worth anything. Because avant-garde is difficult, I tell you. That, that's the reason why he's such a master at it. Because sometimes people just think it's a, you know, a drunk hippie language or something. And then everything's okay now. It's avant-garde, man. You know, guess what? You can't call everything art. Oh, it doesn't remain art. Just like you can't call every drunken spurt out of your mouth avant-garde, okay? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. All right? You got to be sober. <laughs> You got to have a thesaurus. You, you, you got to have some actual talent, okay? And you got to be able to want to do something that is not totally obscure. It might border on it. It might dance with it a little bit. But, you know, it could be playful and intellectually interesting, which is what that guy does. So it's going to be a fun, interesting show. Uh, he's been overlooked by a lot of people, I think. And uh, I think he's definitely one of the one of the great ones. So I can't wait to, to definitely to do that show. On the mailbag series, I got some more mail naturally after I got the other mail and did the mail show. <laughs> you know, so we'll probably do that in in January or February or something, okay? I, I did get an email, um, although you can call it a text. Sometimes I get texts. I call them all emails. Sorry. Uh, somebody really loved the Twilight Zone episode that I just did. And thank you. That's, that's really exciting to get that. I really do because, you know, I'm no different than anybody else, folks. Uh, I'm a writer still. And just like you, you know, I got to go, I got to often conquer my own, you know, moments of slowness or, uh, or, or doubt or, or this fear of, you know, and believe it or not, there's more fear doing this show than there is anything else I do creatively because, you know, you never know when you end the show, hell, is that going to work? Is anyone going to listen to that? Does anyone give a crap? I mean, you're going to say that because... Sometimes you could be so excited about something and then later on when you're doing the show, you're like, God, I hope this is going to work out. You start doubting it sometimes. It happens, you know, and that was a personal show to me. So I felt that it was going to be OK. But still, you know, just because it's interesting personal to me doesn't mean it's going to, you know, cross over or, you know, hit somebody, in, you know, in, in, a, in a good spot. You, you just never really know. So anytime you do a show like this, it's always a risk. So thank you very much for that. That really is um, um, a, a great, great uh, paragraph comment, and uh, I'm actually going to include that in the show next time because I'm, I'm just, I'm just proud of getting something like that because I don't always get something that's super overwhelmingly positive. So that means I really, uh, really hit the the ball out, out of the park on that one, which is great, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get, you know, so, some more of that. But um, I'm definitely looking forward to that. We got a bunch of comments on the Podbean site itself because, you know, if you have that app and you want to use it on your phone, you can actually put comments on there. But a lot of times I'll, I'll try to transpose some of these on there as well. I'm actually going to put this one on there. I think it'd be great for people to see. And then I'll talk about it on the show. So that'll be uh, that'll be fun. Thank you very much uh, for that. I'd also like to, to thank some of the new people that came on board uh, the, the show. Uh, we had uh, my first... I know it's a country of millions, okay? So don't make fun of me. But uh, I had my first uh, uh, listener for, uh, from uh, Mauritania. I think I'm saying that right. I know they speak French there and whatever um, local uh, African uh, language. But um, that was great. Uh, shot me a little note telling me, hey, I'm checking out your show. And I, you know, like I told you before, I have a dashboard. Built into the show, it literally tells me all the countries that come on board and saves it permanently. So I can literally print out if I want, and I do every every couple months, you know, list of all the countries that have checked it out. You know, seeing where I might want to try to do some more advertising or see where I want to try to maybe get some other folks on board. But sometimes this is hit and miss too. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you here. I didn't have, nor do I have, a Mauritania, uh, you know, uh, plan. <laughs> I don't. God bless you. Thank you for listening. I hope you keep listening. Uh, because uh, according to my statistics here, you're the only one so far in that country. <laughs> so uh, if that makes you super special, uh, well, I hope it does in your eyes. But I'll tell you, in, in mine, it definitely does. So I'm definitely excited about that. Maybe you could tell a couple friends uh, more and we can get a few more from your country. But it's really hard to figure out how to do something like that. You just hope other people will... 
uh, mention you and maybe they have friends in other countries because, you know, the good thing about social media sometimes is you can get a mixture of people in that same thread or that same page that could be from 20 different countries. And they're like, and that happens a lot. I mean, I literally had one time I was talking to somebody about the Bukowski episode, you know, and they asked me some question. I told them some of the stuff I was doing and blah, blah, blah. I like them to check it out. It's free. So, and, I, and, and at the time I just got Spotify. So that really helped. And I, I swear, I think we got like 11 different countries that I hadn't had before just from Bukowski. So it's amazing how many people you can bring on board with the different platforms, with, of course, with the different, um, you know, um, subject like Bukowski, which is one I would not normally have done. You know, and the same thing with Ashbury. Maybe you did a different crowd. With, with Rod Sterling, I mean, I think it's so much across the board. I mean, there's probably people in you know, as South Africa that have heard of them. As long as you speak English and they put them some shows out there, you I think you could probably see it on, on YouTube, though, and, and some of the other um, streaming places. So it wouldn't surprise me about that, too. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's it's fun and exciting. So uh, thank you very much for coming on board. I got a, I got a lovely uh, fellow over there from uh, El Salvador that's been listening. Thank you very much for that. We're very appreciative of that. That was like... The first time I had somebody from that particular country. Uh, since then, I had a few more. So I don't know if he told anybody else or if just somebody, I don't know, maybe noticed uh, then. Because, you know, it, it happens too. Because I get onto these new platforms, Spotify and, and Amazon Music being the most too recent. Um, it, it could be that just people go through the list of things and want to check out something. Hey, what's this? You know, I mean, we have a cool enough title. Uh, strength to be human you know i try to put some different art on there so hopefully it attracts somebody want to check it out so yeah that's all we can really uh do uh, and, and in the meantime you know uh until then i just have to count on the more english-speaking countries to to fill the you know to fill the void so to speak but more and more other countries are coming on board and i'm definitely excited i definitely urge you to get on to the uh to the email it's on um you'll notice on podcast uh Excuse me. You'll, you'll notice on Podbean uh, dot com from the from the Strength to Be Human that it's on there. It's uh, Strength to Be Human at uh, RaveMail dot com, and I'm going to start installing at the bottom of some of the descriptions of the shows too, just to sort of give people another another way of uh, you know maybe doing something a little quicker rather than having to move around. So I'll give that a try too to see if that'll work. It just came to me the other day. I should do that, but. God, I wish I'd come up with some of these ideas earlier because the last time I had to change my entire uh, format, you know, to uh, not just the episode, but the season and the episode number to make it reflective of more of how streaming shows are done. I mean, it took like, I don't know, a month and a half to go through a hundred something episodes to change everybody because I have to manually go into each one, research it, put it in there and all of that, and make sure that it's correct, and I didn't miss a number, or a letter, or whatever, and shush, I tell you, so, that took a while, so I, I hate to have to redo everything, so I'll just try to start off with a couple of, you know, every couple of ones, and put it in there, and see what happens, see if it'll, if it'll give me any more email, or see if it'll be beneficial or not, and then we'll kind of go from there, I just don't want to go overboard, because this is 157, so, <laughs> it's a, it's a lot to, um, it's a lot to have to go back on, believe me. Uh, that's why I like to have ideas better earlier, so I don't have to, you know, worry about it as much. But it, it could be useful, so I'm gonna definitely uh, give it a give it a shot there, okay? And but thank you very much for the, the emails, uh, nevertheless. It's a really good sign that people are listening, you know, and and not just listening to the show, but listening to the topics or listening to the people we talk about sometimes, or even the interviews. So I got a uh, I got a bunch actually. Uh, that we'll do on the next show too from uh, from Michelle Wester, uh, Wester uh, Weatherall from Canada, wonderful writer and and publisher out there. So we got a, a, a good good batch of those from people that really liked the the uh, evening we did. Well, I think it was more of the afternoon we did. It was like a two hour show, so it was pretty long, but uh, it was a uh, it was interesting and fun. And he definitely went along with it like like a trooper. And you know I couldn't ask for anybody to be more professional than that. So and we don't do too many shows that long. So it's uh, always uh, exciting to do uh, something special like that and really kind of get through a number of subjects and kind of bounce it off of somebody now and then. So I always, always like doing that, and I don't get to do that enough. Still trying to get a few more people lined up for more interviews, folks. So just 
Try to be patient. It's not easy, and of course, not as easy anymore. COVID and all that stuff. So I still got a people, a couple people, I'm trying to line up. So I'm gonna be uh, doing that uh, actually shortly, and then hopefully in, in November we can get one or two more out, and then kind of go from there. I think we did one in December or two in December last year. So we'll see what happens this year if it's if it's doable or not. I think the interview segment of the show is still vital. It's still really a showcases for people and, and gives you uh, different things that we haven't thought about, talked about before maybe. So that's great. And, and it's always good to hear the perspective of somebody else rather than just myself. So that's the reason why I stay with it because I, I still believe that it's important. So otherwise, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say what if I didn't think so. Because believe me, it's a, it's a lot of work. If you think about the year 2020, I mean, I don't even know if I did a 10 or 12 of them in the whole year. So I think that even averages out to maybe one a month. And you already know there's a few months I didn't do any at all. Uh, meaning broadcasting at all. I could have interviewed them. I just didn't have the room to stick them in there. Because that's what's necessary in the show. You want to have the material out there. So you can't count on people in their schedules uh, for the interviews. So you have to fill the gaps in with a lot of other shows. And by the time you're ready, you're like, oh, now I got no more room. <laughs> or oh, I already advertised everything. So... It happens. That's one of the uh, the, the 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 tests and the um, I guess you could say the uh, the challenges of 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 doing a, a podcast. But I'm very happy. I, I I met a few other new interesting people, so I'm really happy to get them interviewed in the the weeks ahead. And I'm definitely uh, looking forward to that. I'm hoping to do a few more people who are just editors and kind of get their perspective on um, what they see out there, what they would like. Uh, maybe they could talk a little bit about their own writing as well. And that'd be great as an interesting, uh, interview. Uh, maybe they'll have to, some other material that are more lengthy and we could do an individual with them w as well. But I'm going to try to do that on a more regular basis. But just like, um, uh, interviews for, for the individual artists, uh, editors are not easy either. Uh, maybe even less easy because, uh, some of them are just reluctant to do it. They don't want to be on the you know, um, page uh, publicly, so to speak, and others uh, just don't really feel that, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's something they would want to talk about. They'd rather just do it and then talk maybe more about their writing, which is fine too. I don't mind having an editor on board that comes on and says, I just want to talk about, you know, my writing. So that's fine with that. But I am hoping to, you know, to do to do more here ahead. So we'll, we'll definitely give it a you know, every, every, every shot. Now, lately, and I got a lot of good mail about this, and we'll, we'll be doing a, a show that includes that as well. I've been going back uh, to my uh, my innovation on, on flash fiction called Concrete Minimalism. I finally did a show on it. I've been wanting to talk about it for, you know, for a while. And um, I had mentioned, because I know it probably think, it thinks unusual, the guy invented a new form of writing, but he doesn't do it that often. What kind of weirdo is he? I'm just like you, okay? Some things don't strike me. It, just because I invented something doesn't mean I'm trying to use it every moment of the day. Sometimes it doesn't work with my mood or my thought frame or even the material that I'm writing. It's not going to work all the time. A perfect example is I'm, work, I'm working right now on a flash fiction series, okay, of pieces about some of my uh, more uh, interesting or, or, or darker experiences when I was in West Germany in the Air Force. And... Some of them are more straightforward flash fiction. And then others, like one that I'm actually putting out there just to see how it, I could test the waters and see if it get picked up. I mean, it's pure concrete minimalism, and it's probably one of the strongest pieces I've written in, 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 in that form in years. Because I don't do it as, as often. And when I do, you know, maybe sometimes it doesn't even impress me, let alone somebody else. You know, but I'm happy that, you know, it fulfilled what I wanted to do in the piece. And fulfilled, of course, some of my basic rules about, you know, concrete minimalism. But doesn't mean that it's always going to be able to kick off in all, you know, all six cylinders. I'm no different than you. Sometimes I'm like, eh. You know, I got pieces sometimes I don't even feel like sending out. I'm like, huh, I'm not even sure about it myself. Can I go back to it again? I say that and then I never go back to it for, I don't know, months or years. So it happens. Maybe one day the move will strike me. Maybe it just wasn't good enough. 
Maybe I just want to send it out there to get abused and, and, and rejected 3,000 times. <laughs> I don't really know the answer to that. But um, lately, I've been on a really good roll for that. I think mainly because uh, if you deal with any kind of uh, you know past uh, situations that maybe you haven't fully resolved in yourself, it's a nice uh, poetic code word for they can get you depressed at times, okay? Uh, if you start coming to some uh, some realizations about it or, or maybe some truths about it, or maybe you can now stand up to it a little bit better and, and get something on the page or get something that now can be translated in a creative way rather than just moaning and groaning, well, then you got to roll with it. So I, I guess I'm in that, uh, in, in that mode now. How it happens and, and why it happens and, you know, all of that, hell if I know. But I tell you, when it does, you, you want to go with it. And that's what I'm doing lately, and I've been, uh, I've been more than uh, grateful for it. I mean, some heading, heavy stuff, especially on that one piece there. I'll tell you that now. And I even have a, an entire name for the, um, the project. I think I'm just going to make it into a book that has a, a combination of a uh, of, of, of verse that won't have a title, but the title you'll see it on the back of the book, so this way it doesn't confuse you at all. But I, I do everything with a title. But I'm going to have this blank verse that has no title. And you just read about it later and then have a, a fiction piece that does have one and, and goes through the various cities where I've had experiences in Germany or even the various experiences in Germany individually and, and piece them all together into a, a sort of a hard hitting, you know, uh, flash fiction combination, concrete minimalism and, and some of my uh, my uh, free verse in there. So uh, I'm very encouraged by it and, uh, you know, I'm feeling positive about it. It's almost like a sort of a personal uh, breakthrough, uh, especially on the on the creative level, because some of those things I've been wanting to write about for a while. But like anything, I have to figure things out for myself. It's just the way it has to be. It's, so when people hear me, because I, I had someone ask me, I didn't put it on the the uh, the email show the mailbag show because it's an innocent question and it's not something that you know it needs a a gigantic explanation but someone asked me I think as a test why you always say you even you would uh, want to do it for a while and then you finally do it well, what the hell is the long wait well the truth of the matter is is that sometimes you get a grain of an idea or a kernel of a thought or something. But it's not fleshed out because for the shows, like I, like I mentioned before, I have to have, if not mental, uh, on paper, a basic outline. That kind of gives me a direction of where I want to go in the show and the things I want to touch upon. Otherwise, you, you can't have a show for which often is anywhere between, you know, 37 minutes to, you know, over an hour. But most of my shows are average about an hour. Okay. You can't have much of a show that way because... Uh, we don't have lots of breaks in between here, and I'm not like you know um, sitting here rethinking stuff. Well, what I'm going to say next, you know, I mean, that's not much of a show, and it doesn't keep anybody interested. They probably turn off the damn radio, even though this is a podcast. But you know what I mean. So, so I, I don't like to do that. I, if I'm not confident that I can fully flesh out, you know, whether it's that flash fiction piece I've been wanting to do for years, or or a show, or whatever then I'm just not going to do it. It'll stay there in a note, or maybe it'll stay in the back of my mind or something until I am ready. Oh, the only time uh, that was a real timing issue was with the rod ceiling. When I talked about that, I you know, I felt more comfortable um, talking about certain things you know, uh, after um, you know, people had passed. I, I just didn't want to, someone to listen to a show and you know, feel, feel horrible or feel that whatever I was trying to do you know, it would have been considered disrespectful. Even though I chose the topics, I chose my words, I felt I did everything as careful as possible. You know, I still didn't want to take the chance. I, people don't deserve that. And especially if, uh, you know, they've communicated to me in so many words, then, you know, that has to be honored. You know, and I'm sorry to say, maybe one day again, but we don't live in a world right now, you know, where honor is, is very important. No one seems to care about that. You know, we got a we got a radio host out over there that's literally dying of cancer. I mean, I read on social media, I can't wait for you to die. Isn't that funny you're dying from cancer? And blah, blah, blah. Because they don't agree with the guy politically, it's okay to say, I'm glad you have a death sentence. Really? Somebody should die because they politically disagree with you? 
I mean, it's disgusting the kind of society we're becoming. I less and less have, uh, I, I, I wouldn't say respect, but I said I less and less have, I guess you can say uh, praise uh, sometimes for my own country because of, uh, of how folks are, 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 are reacting to things and, and how they go about you know, the coarse language in their own lives. You know, I don't agree with that guy on a lot of levels too, but I'm not wishing him to die. I'm not glad he has cancer. I'm hoping he was beat it. He is a great host. Just because he's a great host doesn't mean we have to agree with everything he's doing. Or was saying, oh well. So I don't understand stuff like that. There's simply no good reason for it. I'm being political, Mark. Really? Wishing somebody dying? No, that, that's not political. You know, you, you're just being a, a soulless idiot. That, that's what you are. So... This is the kind of country we begin, so it's hard to find people that even care about the concept of honor. And I don't know why, because it's not that difficult, you know, to honor people, you know? One of the reasons why people come on my show and get interviewed, well, two of the reasons is, one, I have now enough of a catalog, especially with interviews, that I can literally say, if you want to be apprehensive, that's fine. Go check out a couple of those, you'll feel... And see how I do things and, and hear it. And then you'll, you'll feel comfortable that there's no gotchas here. There's none of this, you know, sneaky 60 minutes type of thing. None of that nonsense is going on. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm not trying to dredge out some dark secrets, you know. Although we did have a show with, with an interview about that. But that was something they wanted to do in advance. So I didn't, like, you know, trick anybody to do it. Um, and that was the last time I did something like that. So you're probably not going to get a lot of those. Uh, so that helps, and and of course, just because you know, after they see the show airing and they hear about it, and other people will tell them, uh, you know, and then they feel you know, like okay, he he kept his word to that. You can't get anything done on a show like this if you're not willing to honor your word. There you go with that honor word again. But that's that's that really it. in a nutshell. Yeah, you, ha- you have to do that. You're not gonna have a show. Uh, especially with people on board on that, you know, the way so many people have been acting, you know. But, um, all right, and I'm also, right now, I'm also working, God, I think I've been doing about a year now, which is not normally like me, but, you know, in the past, when I devoted more time to playwriting, it's because I had more time, (laughs) You know, uh, with the with the magazine, uh, the journal, Aerial Chart, and of course the show, it, it's it's not so easy to to come by sometimes, and um, so it's taking forever to finish this play because it, it's going to be my pla- last play to write in, in a number of years. I don't feel like going back to to playwriting for a while. I mean, I'm happy with I what I've already uh, wrote, and I still got plenty of stuff to send out there to finally get produced. I still have about ten more plays uh, that haven't been produced yet out of the twenty six that I've written. So I've only gotten 16 of them produced. So there's still stuff out there I, I like to. So I'll just keep sending them out there. And hopefully they get picked up one by one, one by. They take a while sometimes. Right now it's a lot harder than ever before because of, of COVID. Lots of theaters have been shut down. And they're not producing unless they're doing a Zoom thing. Which of course then suddenly, you know, you know, is your Zoom, is your play Zoom ready? Is your, I mean, really I got to hear Zoom ready? This is a freaking word? <laughs> But it's the new reality that we're facing. I can't get away from it. I mean, so sometimes I'm like, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> Other times I'm like, yeah, I think I think we could swing this on, on this particular one. So I have to go about that. So that probably greatly reduces my chances. And uh, I don't even know because I think this play I'm writing right now um, w- would actually get picked up a lot faster. It's my first play to have a major uh, uh, gay topic and gay um, uh, angle to it. And uh, it's about someone who discovers their mom is gay after so many years. And, and I guess it, it could be a little bit funny at times, a little bit serious. Um, but um, once I get done with it, I, I, think, I just think I have a better chance of getting that uh, picked up. I see a lot of calls. And, you know, that's what they call something. Uh, we, we're looking for a play or we're looking for a poem or we're looking fiction they call it a call i see a lot of calls although really it fits more for drama than anything else i don't know why but it does i see a lot of calls for gay like related material and i can't tell you how many times you know i've looked at that going damn i wish i had a gay play i could throw over there but i don't 
it's not an easy topic to write about, especially in a convincing manner when you're not gay. So uh, this one uh, I, I feel more comfortable about. So, um, and it's been moving along, don't get me wrong. But um, I need to figure out um, how I'm going to end it. Sometimes I have an ending already and other times I have to literally figure it out in the play and that's really the problem. And sometimes it has to not only make sense, but also you don't want it to unravel all the other stuff you wrote and then you have to go rewrite that again. I mean, I don't make making adjustments here and there, but I'm not looking to, to rewrite the play just for a certain ending. So sometimes you might write yourself in the corner and you got to figure out how do you get out of there and with the least amount of damage. That's where I'm at. <laughs> okay. So that's a literary memoir for you. There you go. I mean, that that's, I'm, I'm in a damn corner trying to figure it out. Okay. With, uh, with, uh, uh, straight people and gay people and, and, and hollering and, and, and weirdness and everything else in this thing. So, eh. It'll, it'll be interesting when it's done. I even have a problem with the title. I don't even have the title I want yet. You know why? Because I can't figure out how I want to actually make it into something interesting and clever. I don't want it to be something passe. I don't want it to be something corny. God knows I certainly don't want it to be something that's going to offend anybody out there that's gay. But I want it to have a, I don't know, a kind of a, I wouldn't say comic, but I would say um, maybe dark humor, ironic. Or maybe dark irony. How's that? Something like that. So um, I'm trying to fit that in today. And I'm doing a crappy job at it. So there you go. I, I got about a, uh, two thirds of the play done. I got a third left. And that third left is necessary to figure out where I'm going to go. Because that's how it's going to end. And don't know where I'm going with that yet. And don't really have an official title. I gave it a, you know, um, a sample title or a placeholder title. Or however you want to call that. Okay. Just because I do that for my own psychological uh, well-being. Because I can't put something down and write something and it doesn't have a title. It pisses me off to no end. Yes, I found out from the legal department. I can actually say pissing me off. And it's not considered profane. Okay? I don't get that. There's some words you can't say. But I can say, you know, piss and urine. But what can I tell you? I'm trying to stick to the rules here. Uh, because... Um, uh, just like uh, I uh, have to honor things, they've, they've been uh, honoring me. So can't can't complain in that regard. Um, and of course, I've been writing a little bit more poetry, which again, I, I go in cycles. Probably more in cycles than all the other writing. Because there's not really much uh, of a time during the year that I'm not writing fiction. It's just that just because I'm writing it doesn't mean it's ready to be released. I go through a lot of revisions. Some of it's in, in notes that I don't even feel is ready to do anything yet. You know, because when I tell you guys to take notes and do all that stuff, I mean, I'm not just telling you that because it sounds cool for the show. Or I want to sound like really intellectual. Write notes, please. And use Grey Poupon on your sandwich. No, I'm not, I mean, it's not like that at all. It's really because that's what I do. So I really believe that it works for me. And I believe that it could work for a lot of people. In fact, I, it's one of the few things that I preach that I think could actually work for most writers. Because you can't mentally hold everything in your head forever. I don't care how, how, think, how, how quick you think you could think or how much you think your, your memory is. I'm telling you, when you get older, it's not so easy. Okay? Trust me. These days, sometimes I find it hard you know, to remember all the things I'm supposed to be doing if I don't have a... You know, a way to, to jot them down on a piece of paper or a little little ledger or maybe on my phone. I mean, I, I'll be lost at some times. Sorry. I don't have an illness. I'm not that old that I can't remember stuff. It's just like anything else, you know. I'm not going to be benching 250 pounds like I used to. All right? Because I'm 55. First of all, I don't need to do it. And second of all, what would be the damn point? To prove what? I can still do it because I'm 55. Uh, not that, not to sound lewd over here, but there's a lot of things I like to still do when I'm 55. Lifting weights is not one of them. Okay, so as long as those things are going okay, uh, I think I can forgo the the memory loss now and then, or you know, sometimes you get a little like more tired than you used to be. I remember I used to be able to stay up more or get less sleep. I mean, when you get older, you can't as much. Oh well. It's what I've always said to people in general 
and what I told the writers in specifically. Sometimes you do have to follow, you know, what your what your body is saying. The only time I make an exception to that is when I'm on, on really on the roll. I mean, the other night, I mean, I was putting out all kinds of stuff doing this German series. I mean, really different titles, different ideas. I mean, I mean, outline all kinds of different. Oh, just flying. I wanted to go to bed like two hours earlier than that. It just didn't happen. I was tired as hell too. Believe me. I knew I was going to pay for it in the morning. Because I got to get up. Get these kids to school. And uh, you know. Take the dog out. And blah blah blah. So. But that's what happens. Uh, to me it's a worthy price when something like that happens. Because you don't know what's going to happen the next day. Are you going to remember any of that? <laughs> Probably not. You know. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm not good on taking a note on a note. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. The notes, yeah, they're important to take. You got to get them down when stuff is flying. That's it. You know what I mean? If that means that you, you got to miss a TV show or a sporting event or extra sleep or, I don't know, um, the, the, the arms of your partner. I've done it before. Sorry. <laughs> you know, um, so be it. Sometimes you just got to do that. It doesn't happen that often that you're doing it anyway. So it's not like you're going to have a crowd of people upset with you. Oh, not again, Mark. Not really. I haven't got a flash of that kind of uh, creativity and, 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 and note-taking and, and just uh, like outlining like 10 or 12 different pieces like in two hours. It doesn't happen that often. I don't know if it means I was just ready to go for it or, or, or the subject now became so interesting. Hell if I know. Which I can tell you because I like to have done that a few years ago. But, you know, it comes. And guess what? When it comes, jump on it because it will go. And and then, then you'll be like, oh, it might never come back. I mean, really. You don't know. So I did that and, and I'm grateful for it. And I recommend that you consider that as well, too. Okay. There's a, there's a couple of things in life that you should not take for granted, okay? And you can mix these around in whatever order you want, okay? I'm just going to tell you the ones and how they make sense to me. You should never take for granted when you get that spell of creativity over you. Roll with it. Run with it. I'm telling you, cross the border with it. Whatever you got to do, okay? Don't take that for granted, all right? Don't take your... Uh, the person that really supports you, uh, you might not have too many. And even the ones that support you might not even understand what you're doing. But at least they, you know, they're being positive about it. Don't take those people for granted because you're not going to have a lot of them. Okay? You'll, you'll go through years of doing this and find out you're not adding a lot. It's just the way it is. Okay? And then uh, last but not least, do not take your health for granted. Okay? The one, number one things that... And, and, and people don't realize this. I mean, because if you ask somebody, hey, what do you think the number one thing is that kills a, a writer? And they'll all tell you. Drugs. Alcohol. Uh, suicide. Nah, not really. Uh, poor, just poor health. And, and the poor health might have been exasperated by some drugs or by some alcohol or maybe even by, even by smoking. But the truth of the matter is, is that most of the poor health came because they ignored their body. They're not out there doing some basic, you know, exercise regimen. I don't mean anything sophisticated. Run a mile or two, a couple of days a week. You know what I mean? Maybe do a couple of little weightlifting things just for firmness or something. Maybe a couple jumping jacks or a little bit of, uh, you know, bicycle riding or something. That's it. Not, nothing extraordinary, you know. Uh, and, you know. Eat what you want, but don't go crazy and, you know, do whatever you can to, you know, to at least be in somewhere near the neighborhood of your weight. If you could do all those things, that's how you're listening to your body. You'll last longer as a person because guess what? If you're always in pain, if you're always concerned about something, it, it lays on your mind and, and that doesn't help you when you're trying to get creative things out there. You know, I had, I had some of the other day and I said, and I, we had to have a conversation, and I said, believe me, I'm not trying to be unpolite, because I've been there before, where I've had some extra weight that I shouldn't have had, and it took me a while to get rid of it, but I did. And I said, listen, from what you're describing me, 
Your writer's block can very well be uh, triggered from a mood depression from you being overweight. Have you thought about doing something to get some exercise and just modify your diet, try to lose some weight and see if even getting rid of 10 or 15 pounds, see if that has an effect on your block, the way you think, your clarity, you know? And I did the best I can to say the way I'm saying it to you now. Because I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be some kind of jerk about it. I don't shut the show off and say, ha, ha, ha. No, it's not funny. I take it serious. I've been there. Okay? And I'm hoping that they'll, they'll see some results from that. And, and, and I mean results in a creative way, of course. But, you know, obviously I would like anybody to lose weight if they need to. It's always good for your health in the long run. But that's what kills most writers. Bad health. I cannot believe how many times I read from people that died. Their 40s and 50s. And why do they die? Eating crap. Overworking themselves. Like Rod Sterling. Literally overworked himself to death. Literally. That's not even like an exaggeration. That's actually what he did. I can't even make it up. Plenty. Like Shirley Jackson. You know. Sitting on a couch. Smoking some cigarettes. Typing away. We're all going to do that now and then. But guess what? The body can't handle that for doing that like 25 years in a row. <laughs> never never exercising, never stopping the smoking or trying to reduce it, never eating anything that even resembles uh, healthy. You're going to pay for it. And it's going to first pay in the health, and then it's going to pay in the creativity, and then eventually it's going to pay in the, you know, you're going to be hanging out with Sinatra in heaven. So try to keep that in mind, okay? Do not take that at all for granted. And as I've gotten older, I mean, I'm not perfect still, but guess what? I don't have a, a high pressure, pro, pressure problem. Um, I got my cholesterol, which was bad, under control now, which is great. Uh, my weight is actually where it's supposed to be at for my age. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not even in the middle part of that. I'm on the high end of where I'm supposed to be for my age, but I'm not considered overweight anymore. So... I don't want to sound like a politician over here getting technical. But, I mean, I told the, the doc, I said, hey, doc, there you go. I know it's the high end, but it, it is in the range we're talking about versus where the hell I was before, which is like 30 pounds more. So, and it made a difference. It made a difference in snoring. It made a difference in my sleep in terms of uh, whatever I got. I, at least it, it, it stuck with me. It didn't feel like I just wasn't sleeping enough. You know, it made a difference in my energy, and, and it, it really made a difference in, I, I think, of... Just in my clarity, in my thoughts. I, I just felt like, uh, you know, I can think and, and do more. You know, and um, so, yeah, it, it really does have a, an impact. So definitely uh, try to keep that in mind. I know this is not a health show, but I've learned, and I hope you've learned too, that so many of the things that we do, uh, that we say, that we go about in our life, does have an, a, a direct effect to our writing. I mean, it really does. I mean, how you even live your life has a, a, an effect. I had a show one time where I mentioned somebody and somebody had a snarky remark. Uh, I didn't actually put it in one of the mailbags. Maybe maybe one day I will, but I just never really liked the remark. I just Sometimes people, they're, they're meaner than they need to be to make a point. But they were like, uh, well, you know, just stick to the writing and you shouldn't have to preach to me and this and that and whatever. But, you know, I, I say this. If you are a writer... And you're not writing about horror and science fiction or, or some genre of romance stuff. And you're writing about things that, you know, you're instructing somebody uh, about certain things that you're either you're complaining about or you're writing political and this and that. Well, guess what? You can't live differently and then write that. Someone's going to notice eventually. Hell, even you're going to eventually notice. God knows I am because I'm wondering. So that's how it really has an effect. We've got too many people out there. You know, they, they do one thing and they live another way. I mean, you probably just heard it. You got this uh, uh, lawyer slash journalist stuff doing weird stuff uh, at Zoom and gets caught. You know, I thought this guy was supposed to be a professional. You know, I mean, so it doesn't help to do that because eventually you get caught. Somebody's going to catch you on something. It may not be on Zoom, but it's going to be on something else. And then you have to evaluate, you know. You know, who who am I? Am I the person I was all along and I've changed? Or am I really that person and I'm just simply living an act or telling people a tale or something like that? 
you have to, I feel, live as close to the things you talk about as possible. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's going to be, everybody's going to be perfect, you know? You got a lot of people out there that have, that have alcohol problems, and, um, I'm always going to root them on to try to get that off of that. But sometimes people go go off of that again. So what do you do? Are you supposed to beat them up now because they've been sober for 10 years and they went off of it for a couple of days? I mean, I'm not going to have a party for them. Don't get me wrong. Hey, that's a great thing. But I, I don't know why beating them up is supposed to be a good thing. Does this mean now there's something wrong with them? No. They need to figure out what happened and get back on that, you know, that trail again, talk to some people, and go forward again. Those 10 years definitely counted. Trust me, your body was happy you wasn't drinking for 10 years. Okay? So don't think it don't count. It does count. And it should count on people who are supportive as well. Yeah, it does count. That's somebody that's different than just something like this. What we're talking about with that Zoom and that guy and that act and all of that. Oof, Lord. But... Guess what? There's lots of people like that guy out there. Way too many of them. And oftentimes they're in positions of influence as a columnist or, or as a, a commentator, you know, as a journalist, as a, or even as a, just a, a writer. And it's important that, you know, we are, we are living what we're talking about. Because if we're not, then what we say and what we do, it's not really going to ring true. It's not going to be found to be true, especially when people discover later, because they always do. And then, then who are you then? And what have you done? Does it cast doubt on everything? I, I think, unfortunately, it does. Whether that's fair or, or not fair, I'm not really sure. But people do have a right to say, I was expecting this. Now I'm getting that. So what does all that other stuff before mean? Does it have value? Does it get devalued? Does it have no value? I don't exactly have the, the, the clear answer to that. So the only answer I do have is, you know, uh, don't, uh, don't engage in that in the first place. And if you feel that you need to, maybe you need to get some help or some counseling then so you can get back on the track that you should be at. Otherwise, maybe if you can't practice it, maybe then you shouldn't be preaching it then. It's just that simple. Without trying to sound too uh, too aggressive over here, that that's really what it comes down to. But we need more of that consistency in society, and I see more and more uh, the cases where people are getting caught, and, and we have less of it, and it, it erodes people's trust. I cannot believe the level of trust that people have in society right now here in America. I mean, they almost virtually don't believe in their Congress, nearly don't believe in their politicians. You know, I think it's in the teens for people that they believe a car salesman is going to be honest with them. You know, now because of research with Google and other things, people don't even believe the doctors half the times. Sometimes they literally go in there. This is what I think I have. And this is the drug I think you should give me. You'd be, sur you'd be surprised how many doctors are like, yeah, I think you do have that. And yeah, that should work. Let's give that a try. And because he went to school for 20 years so he can agree with a housewife that you know maybe has a, a bachelor's degree i'm not mocking anybody here but that's that's actually what just what just transpired when i told you that why the hell would he want to agree with you what the hell are you supposed to actually know you just read about some name of a drug on google or maybe you just saw it on a commercial you know the commercials that say that after you take this 17,000 things that can possibly kill you but you know take the drug anyway so that's the kind of society we're living in. It's a, they don't even trust that. And they don't even trust the doctor. Hell, the damn doctor shouldn't trust you, I think. Not the other way around. <laughs> you know, not to say every doctor is not a quack, but <laughs> most of them are pretty good in, in trying to do their job, you know, under some test of, te difficult circumstances, you know. A lot of things that test them, especially the, the day and the age we live in. Everybody's trying to out-Google them. Or, you know, coming there with a... You know, uh, WebMD says um, that um, uh, I could, from these symptoms, I could possibly have these five things. And then like four of these things are like the worst things you can have in your life. You know? <laughs> and then the doctor's like, uh, yeah, you got you got indigestion. Yeah, take this and, and get out of my office over here. Okay? You don't have fatal liver cancer. Okay? Get out of here. 
So sometimes that stuff there is very generic and you, you make yourself scared more than you need to. But research, folks, no matter whether it is writing for a market or trying to get yourself uh, better with your health or maybe just trying to be more consistent in your life, it's extremely important because it really goes in for myself, for my own creativity. And don't get me wrong, a lot of examples I give you, I've done some of this myself. So I am not immune to it. I try not to do that anymore. The last couple of years, I, I see a doctor. Yeah, I, I like to know what kind of drugs you could possibly give me if I need something for a little while. I like to know what, what could this be. It could it be that. I mean, I'm curious, sure. But uh, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, calling the guy out and, and, and dictating them to, you know, uh, what he's supposed to be doing. That That's supposed to be his job. I got insurance to pay him, not the other way around. He's not paying me. I'm paying him. I mean, and, and, uh, unless he's saying something outrageous, I mean, and that no, they normally don't do that, believe it or not. In fact, doctors tend to be quite conservative in that stuff. Sometimes too conservative, but still. You want to be careful with that? I've done it before in the past, and it was like, a, you know, sound like an idiot. Thank God it's in the office of the doctor privately, so at least uh, not the whole world didn't know I was an idiot. You know, do I got this? Uh, no. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Well, it says all these symptoms. I'm like, yeah, you can have same symptoms for like 29 different diseases and you don't even have any of them. So we can't get too carried away, you know. But I mean, right now, you know, I got a kid in school uh, in this circumstance. I was telling him, I said, I know I can't tell you to not get a fever, but I really hope you don't get a fever. Because if you get a fever, uh, they don't have a way to test you at the school. They're going to send you home automatically think you have COVID, which means now I got to go find some place to test you. Get some paperwork, blah, 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 to try to get you back in and hope to God they don't like tell you to stay home for a while and here's your homework. That's the, that's the kind of overreaction that we, we're going to be dealing with. Uh, I'm hoping I get out of it this year without having to do that, but, you know, it's it's likely that it could happen. You know, what are you going to do? Because the kid could have something that has nothing to do with COVID. No matter how much he hand sanitizes and cleaning you know, who's to say he don't get a tonsil infection or an ear infection? Who's to say he doesn't get, you know, uh, an infection in his sinuses because of the uh, the pollen in the air and, and, and the allergies sometimes he goes through? Yeah, you know, get a throat infection. You can get any kind of infection pretty much that's going to make you get a fever. And that's the first thing they're going to do is they're going to, you know, they're going to think, uh, you know, you, you, you got the, uh, you know, the, the evil virus. So hopefully that's not the case and that doesn't happen. But, you know, I'm ready for it because uh, I can't even be upset about it. It's just it's just the, the, the worry we have the, the world right now. Well, I like the idea of having every so often this uh, this uh, this audio literary uh, memoir. I like the idea of talking a little bit about some of the things I'm trying to do, some of the things that I am doing, some of the things that uh, I'm dealing with and, and, and facing. And, and of course, uh, it's the feedback from everybody else, which is always uh, interesting and, and rewarding. Believe it or not, sometimes even the negative comments give me a laugh, you know. And and that they're not always that wrong either, just because they're negative. I mean, it's it's okay. Sometimes somebody be a little paranoid, or a little bit suspicious of this or that. I mean, that's just that's how people can be, regardless of the age you're in or not. So sometimes you got to just take that on a grain of salt. Read it out loud to people and just laugh about it. That's all you can do. You, you, you can't tell everybody, you know, think this way or do that way. We got too many people already trying to do that. And that's really my last thought of the show and, and, and really the way I do things, okay? I do my best to uh, to do some research on, on the things I'm talking about, especially if I'm not a complete master of them. Other things of my own opinions, I'll, I'll share those and that's that. They don't need research. But you never know. I do some surveys. I got to... Um, I got a piece that's coming up, you know, about um, anti-Semitism and Jewish people and voting. So the, the column that's coming up, I had to do a little research. I wound up doing um, a survey of 300 uh, Jewish folks in all different walks of life and medias, people on person and the phone, this and that, everybody I knew that I could possibly, and then some strangers, just to get an idea about a few things. So it, it'll be coming out on Sunday in the Indian Prayer article. You'll see it as I transpose it on the link for our aerial chart. And that's another example of just something I was interested in. I wanted to do something that was that was different and, 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 and just really curious about it. But it's really important for all of us 
you know, to keep in mind that thinking for yourself is fundamental to not only writing, but being a free person. Because I'm telling you now, and you can uh, make fun of me and you can disagree with me all you want, okay? But if you are not thinking for yourself, you're not free. I don't care if you're in a free country or not. You're still not free. I mean, how how much of a portrayal of that of yourself is being in a free country, but you're not free? I'm not talking about trapped in a bad marriage or trapped in a bad job. I mean, trapped in your mind. I'm not thinking the way you should be thinking or the way you want to think. Or maybe just you want to investigate, but you're too afraid about something because it's just so easy to go along with people. Well, don't. Okay? Don't. I saw something on um, what was it? Uh, LinkedIn, yeah, LinkedIn. Now I didn't, I didn't take the whole gist of what what she was saying, because to me it, it was just taking feminism a little bit too far. And I know I'm a guy, so you could take that for whatever you want to take that as. But I like fundamentally what she had to say because I agreed to it to a certain extent. And what she pretty much said in a, in a, in I don't know five paragraphs. She probably could have said it in one. But hey, I'm a I'm an editor, okay was don't be so ready to be nice as a girl that you forget your own voice. I agree with her on that. It's just that she went too far with it to where it's like you don't care if they don't like you or not. No, no. I understand what she's saying and I agree with that because that's really about the fundamentals of thinking for yourself. She just threw the gender role on it. Okay, I, I agree with her that there's probably a lot of women out there that have been um, culturally um, maybe brainwashed by this, maybe even religiously, or possibly within their family, where um, they're not ladylike or they're not feminine if they just don't smile, make a joke, and, and agree with everybody, even though they're in the back of the mind they're like, dude, you're a moron. I, I don't agree with that crap at all. So I disagree with what she had to say in the sense that no, you don't want to get to the point of where you're not likable. I'm sorry, folks, whether you think it's it's fair or not or true or not. Likeability is still important. You're not going to network if you're not likable, okay? You're not going to be getting things out there published for, from people, you know, if the, if the editor doesn't like some of the comments you have to say, especially if they communicate you about something and you're being a jerk. But you should publish me, man, because I'm being honest and, uh, and candid and I'm not... Being so ladylike that I'm being dishonest. No, no, you, you still can't be a jerk. You still can't be so unlikable that people are like, what in the hell? Okay, I'm sorry, but we don't have a world and we're probably never going to have a world that's going to give you a crown on your head because you were honest that day. Dude, man, you've been so honest today, 100%. I'm going to give you like the Burger King uh, a crown on your head. I'm going to give you a couple extra cheeseburgers and a pat on your back. Uh, no, you're probably going to have... Six or seven people secretly now hate you. And about ten people a little wary of you. And maybe five people say, yeah, that's cool, man. Right on. So I'm not dissuading anybody from being honest or being candid. But if you know your audience, and you should, especially if it's strangers, then you should know that maybe this is going to swing out too well. You, you have to be able to say it in such a way that you could still be honest and it's going to settle well. It's going to receive better. It's going to land nice, like they say, you know, in uh, in gymnastics. Remember, in gymnastics, you could do all of that work, all that jumping around, twisting around, blah, 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 land wrong, and the next thing you know, you, you just lost the gold. Maybe they give you the bronze, possibly. But that's the kind of stuff that you lose. It's no different with truth. If you don't land it right, you're not getting any points, Okay. Or you're going to people say, ugh, that didn't, that didn't go well with me. It's really the same way that way. So I like what she had to say. Don't get too carried away with it. But yes, thinking for yourself, especially these days, it's important. And maybe you have to tell somebody in a polite manner, hey, okay, I got what you're saying. I don't agree with it. It's not, it's not for me. You might have your own reasons why. You can share those if you feel if you don't feel like you want to share them, maybe you're not comfortable with sharing them. We can always do that as well. You know, everything has a cost. Everything has a consequence. It's the reason why lots of people don't want to, you know, share things. And guess what? You don't have to share your, your mind. You don't have to share your opinions if you don't want to. Because I'm not urging people to do that. 
you still have to be who you are. I'm just simply saying, think for yourself. It's really critical these days, especially going forward over here. Find out the facts for yourself. Compare them to other things. Remember your own experiences and your own, your own judgments on things. Listen to what other people have to say as well. Before you form your own judgment or your own position, your own, your own direction. Because I'm telling you, if you yes everybody to death, you're pretty much just a liar. You're, you're the politician you say you don't like. Okay? And, and in the end, who's going to take somebody like that seriously? I never take anybody seriously who's just going to yes all the time. I don't. I can't. Because I don't trust that. I think the thinking person is simply not going to agree with a lot of people at times. And we should be okay with that. We shouldn't be frightened of that. But when we start becoming frightened like that, we stop becoming writers. And really, we stop becoming productive citizens. We're prisoners of our own fear. And guess what? A free society can't remain free if the people are not free. If they don't feel they're free for whatever reason, then society starts becoming free too. Because the level of discourse, the level of communication, the level of candidacy, the level of just being straight honest won't be there. And therefore, you, you don't have a, a, a free country. You know, you just have like a lot of countries right now. They just, everybody talks the game and says something culturally cool. And, and behind the behind the scenes, they're plotting against you. Or they, or they say something entirely different. But you walk away saying, that guy thinks I'm cool. And he's going back to his house. That was a dork. I just don't like that guy. You know? I think the more honest we are about more things in our writing, in our lives, certainly in our society, that's how we improve the world. Because I, I tell you right now, and I'm not saying this is not a priority, and I'm not saying it's not important, but you could work all your life to clean the air to 100%. And you can work all your life to clean the water to 100%. But in the end, what the hell does it make any difference if you're still living with an entire society full of liars? What, now they can have cleaner water and they can breathe uh, better air as, as, as they're bullcrapping their lives away? No, we need to clean up the human condition as much as we need to clean up the environment. Because in the end, you know, we're polluting ourselves. And when we do that, we, we pollute the society we think we have. And, and in the end, we don't really project to ourselves and to others, you know, what should be said, what should be done, how somebody, somebody should act, what they should write about, you know? How are you going to write about something, you know, with any gravity, you know, if all you're doing is not taking things seriously because you're too afraid of this or you don't want to say that? Think for yourself, folks. Until next time, God bless. This is Mark Antinuasi, Strength to be Human. Audio Literary Memoir, and that is episode 157. Good night. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.